collage of, of baby pictures. And we're going to be in, in 1 Thessalonians. If you, if you want to grab your Bibles, and we'll get them up in the air here in a minute. But I'll let you go ahead and start maybe finding that, that Scripture and putting your thumb in it. But the thought that she had was um, she would love to take all those memories with her to heaven. And then the Lord laid on her heart this thought. You can't take those memories, but you can take the maker of the memories. You can take the makers of the memories. So take your Bibles, if you will, and hold them up. This is God's Word for me today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. The title of my message this morning is Getting Ready to Leave, What to Take. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. God, it is awesome to be able to hear your word, to read your word, to know your word. And so, Lord, today I pray that that same word will come alive in us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Probably 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe even up to 10 years ago, if, 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 if I took out my billfold, I would have a section of my billfold that had these little plastic things in it, you know, and had pictures in it, right? And, of course, right on the front would be my beautiful wife, you know, the most cherished possession, you know, that picture's first. And, and then my, my awesome kids would be in there. Well, guess what? I don't have one of those in my billfold anymore. I still have a picture of my wife of my wife right behind my driver's license because there's no real place to display it. But I don't have all the pictures of my kids and my grandkids. But I guarantee you, if you went back in my office right now and picked up my phone, Joshua Dean Massey II would be about the first 50 pictures that you see. <laughs> because you can't stop pushing that button. Every time he's in a different, somebody else's holding him or he's got, you know, he does something cute. Like, like that's always, you know, when they're babies, right? They're always doing, being cute. So you can't stop. And then as you scroll on back down, then you're going to find the pictures of the grandkids when they came over for, for uh, Halloween. And, and you're going to just all kinds of pictures. Now, just not too long ago, I downloaded all my pictures off my phone because it was crazy full. And so, but if you go home on my computer, I don't know how many tabs you would find of photos and the thousands of photos that are on my computer. Now, how many are with me on that? In your house, in your phone, it's the same way, right? All those are precious memories, aren't they? Each and every one of those memories means something to us. When my wife looks at those little kids' pictures on the wall, most, a lot of times they remind her then of, their children, and sometimes that's scary. But anyway, um, you know, but, but the memories that, that our little brains, when you go to a funeral, what's one of the things, the first thing that happens when, when somebody passes away, they begin to prepare the pictures. Some people are, are way more organized and have hundreds of pictures on a video. Some people uh, just have 
have the, the photo boards and have all, and they're all memories of, of their loved one. They're all memories that have taken place over the years. And, and it's, it's amazing because people stop and they stare at those pictures and, and they're like, wow, man, you know, she was really good looking when she was young. You know, and, oh, man, he was handsome. You know, look at that picture and that, that, all those things, all those memories. Yeah, what happened? He had hair. And, and they're all great and they're awesome memories. And we don't ever want to let those memories go, do we? But then the realization of those pictures represent more than a memory. They represent a person. They represent a life. They represent a soul. And so as, as she talked to me about that, I said, honey, that's, that's a good sermon. Do you want to preach it? My wife's an excellent preacher. She hasn't preached for quite a while, but I love to hear her preach. And she says, no, I don't think so. I'll let you have it. So I got the idea from her, and the Holy Spirit began to build on it from there. So the thought that came to me is, what are you and I doing that those we love make the choice to go to heaven? What am I doing personally that is going to influence those that I love to go to heaven. And see, as, as, as you can see, the letter that I got this week from Janelle and Evan, um, it's just like, boom, what are they doing? Their, their concern is, what are they doing to influence the souls of the people around them? And it really struck me about my own life. What am I doing? The first thing I thought of when I was preparing this sermon is speak it out. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 says this. Now the, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our words are important. Our words are important. What are some of the things that you remember about your childhood negatively? What somebody said about you. Unfortunately, um, there was a time when one of my sons was younger that he had a teacher make fun of him in class. He never forgot that. It, 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 it did something in him for the rest of his life because... A teacher, and, and I'm not, I, I, maybe it was a miss, I don't know, but she said something negative in a, in a making fun of way that does, did something to him. And I'm sure that each and every one of us can think about something that someone said about us 20 years ago and we still remember it. Maybe it hasn't affected us, you know, like made us into some horrible person, but something that was said has stuck in our memory for 20 years. 
It seems so silly now, but it's still there. If somebody mentions that person's name, or you happen to see that person in Walmart five aisles over, that thing, Lynn, it wasn't that bad, okay? She's thinking of all the things I said to her growing up. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn. Anyway. <laughs> oh, and she sits in my congregation. Unbelievable. <laughs> but, but seriously, we all can think back all those years ago at something somebody said. But then, think about this. Could there possibly be something that you have said to someone or about someone that could have that same effect? Of course, guilty. I, I, there's some things that I did when I was a kid, other than when Lynn being involved, but that I think, did I really do that? Did I really, was I really, did I really treat that person that way? And, and there's this one certain uh, situation, instance with a neighbor kid, and I was just, I was just mean to him, not physically mean, but just some of the things I said, and I'm thinking, did, was that me? And when I think about it, I think how horrible of a person I was. And I was supposed to be a Christian. And so it hurts me today to think about what I did. <laughs> Time for lunch. <laughs> I can remember a day I mean, when that was true. But, but I, even, it even hurts me to think that I did it because I know that I was mean to that kid. And I'm thinking, why would I have ever done? And there's been times I'm trying to think, what was his name? What was his, if I could think of his name, I would try to look him up. And I would, and I would try to apologize. I have no idea what his name even was. But I still think about how I treated him and how I made fun of him. And I'm thinking, how horrible. Because it, not, I'm sure it had to have impacted him. And it's still impacting me to know that I could stoop to that level. And so, I, I, yeah, you were a kid, Terry. Yeah, but I was supposed to be a Christian kid. And I shouldn't have done that. And so I have to realize that my words are important, both in the negative and in the positive. I think of some of the people that have spoken positively over my life. I, I think of, of some of the pastors that I have had that have spoken positively about me and to me. And I think that has helped to shape my confidence in who I am as a Christian. That has helped to shape who are, the confidence that I have in my Lord and my Savior because somebody has spoken positive over me. Your, my parents, you know, all the kind and, and words that they have spoken, all, you know, the people in the, in, that I've grown up with and, and the people that I've went to church with. And, and yeah, has there been some negative? Yes. But more positive as people have spoken into my life, even when I was younger, even though they probably didn't even know how much of a rascal I could have, could be, they still po spoke positively over my life. Some of those people I, I grew up with in church, if you grew up in church, you are blessed. I am blessed that I grew up in church and, and there were men and women in, in my church that spoke positively into my life. Maybe they didn't tell me any great thing, but just speaking positively over my life. And, and, and so you and I both hear all the stories of people that have had people speak the negative over them and, and, and it's hurtful. So our words are important. I think 
As, as, as I raise children, I, I think my kids need to hear, needed to hear from me. Yeah, they needed to hear correction. I, we can't, they needed to hear correction. But they also needed to hear how much I loved them and how much I believed in them and how much I, I to this day, as my kids are adults, I try to tell them I'm proud of them. I try to tell them, I tell them a lot I love them, but they know that. But I, I want to let them know I'm proud of them. I don't maybe not agree with every decision they make, but I'm proud of them for living for Christ. I'm proud of them that, that they're trying to serve Him, and, and I'm proud of them for, for those many things, and I try to tell them that. Why? Because I believe my words are important. I believe also they need to hear words of encouragement about our faith. They need to hear how much that we personally love Jesus. I believe they need to hear what the Lord is speaking to us and, and, and how we're able to share with them words of our faith. I think that's important that we do that. And I know that's, that's not always a comfortable conversation, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. And, and again, as your kids grow and mature, that conversation grows and matures along with it. Usually we don't have a problem speaking it out when we disagree but find it harder to talk about the things that we do agree with. You know, we live in a world that, that always wants to speak up when they've been mistreated and always wants somebody to hear about the negative. But how often are we willing to just stand up and start talking positive about something? How willing are we to share the positive with those around us versus the negative? You know, um, no matter who you are, there's something that you disagree with in, that's going on in the world today. And it's easy for us to be vocal about what we disagree with. And, and don't get me wrong, I believe we need to stand up for what's right. As Christians, we need to stand up uh, for what's right. We need to stand up for the Bible. We need to stand up for, for the authority and integrity of His Word. We need to, if you were in Sunday school this morning, um, there's the aspect of truth and there's the aspect of love. We need to share the truth and we need to love people enough to do that. But many times we're, we're quick and easy to be negative, but not so quick and easy to, to be positive. And so while all the while we're standing up for what's, we're standing up for what's right in the world, we also need to be sharing about Jesus. We also need to be sharing about the hope that we have. In him. I, one of the things that came to my mind as I was preparing is we need to begin focusing less on the problems and more on the answer. We need to begin to let our mind not and again, there's time we have to stand up and be counted. We have to be vocal about what we believe. But all the while realizing that Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems. What is the cause of the world's problems? It's not who's in charge. It's not who's not in charge. It's sin. Three-letter word that started every problem that the world is facing today. Sin. What's the answer? The only answer to sin is Jesus. It seems so simple, and it's the very simple base part of the equation. I understand that. But 
as we as Christians began to deal with the problems in such a way that it points towards Jesus, we're going to be able to help people see that we truly believe that Jesus is the answer. We can love people in spite of their sin, just like Jesus. He loved everybody. He went to the tax collector's house, who came, became one of his disciples, by the way. He went to his house, and he sat with, uh, with sinners. Why? Because he loved them enough to show them the truth, that he was the answer. Matthew got it. Matthew walked away from being a tax collector to follow Jesus. That was the purpose and the point. That should be the purpose and the point of everything that we do is to show people who Jesus is. And when we're in those situations and we, when we're around those people, can, instead of getting involved in, in the negative aspect of life, we point them towards Jesus. And sometimes that's by sharing the truth. And that's not an, always an easy conversation, and that's not going to make you popular, but always pointing towards the answer, which is Jesus. Jesus didn't call us to do the easy things, did he? Jesus didn't do the easy things. Jesus was constantly having to show who he was to the world. He was constantly having to prove to them that he was who he said he was. You see, so my encouragement would be not only to say no when we tell our kids no. You know, I, I'm a dad, and, and I was a pretty no-nonsense kind of dad. I was pretty authoritative as a dad. My mother-in-law thought I was pretty hard on my kids, and she's a, you know my mother-in-law, she's a sweet lady. And she, she, never, she never said it, you know, like in a mean way, but she thought, and I, you know, I can look back, and I, man, I was pretty hard on them at times. But I believe my wife was better at not just saying no, but giving them more explanation why the answer was no. I was more of the dad, no, I'm the dad, no, I'm the dad, no. You know, but my wife was better at, okay, let's not just tell them no, let's, let's talk to them about it. Let's talk to them about the reasons why that's not a good choice. The reasons why that choice is going to cause other situations down the road. So I believe that in the course of our standing up and speaking out, part of that conversation needs to be, the reasons behind it. The same is true with our faith. It's easy to say, well, I don't believe in that. It's easy to say, I don't do that. When I, when I was growing up, it was, uh, we don't believe in that. Lynn, right? right? We, we don't believe in that. Why don't you believe in it? I don't know. We just don't believe in it. You know, okay, but what's more important is if you don't believe in something, why don't you believe in it? Or if you believe in something, why do you believe in it? And, and as we have those conversations with the people we care about, instead of just giving them that, well, we don't believe in that, say, you know what, let's look at what the Bible has to say. The Bible kind of teaches, the Bible teaches us that that kind of lands right here. And so doing that is going to be a great benefit. Speak it out. Use your voice. Talk to those you love and you care about, about what's important to you. The second thing 
that I see is live it out. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Here's what Jesus has to say. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't, cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the other night, I had my cell phone and I had the light on. And when I went to bed, I laid my cell phone down. I had no idea the light was on on my cell phone all night long. Why? Because I had it turned upside down on the nightstand. I didn't see the light till in the morning I picked my phone up. Oh, the light's on. It was hidden. But, but if you want the light to be effective, you don't hide it, do you? Because when I, when I originally turned it on, it had a purpose. I wanted to see where I was going. I didn't want to have to, you know, turn the light on and go back and turn the light off. And, you know, so I used my phone like most people do. But I put it down and didn't know it was on. Well, what the scripture is saying is, listen, if, you're gonna, if you've got a light, you've got a light for a purpose. You've got a light so that people will see the light. And then it says, let your light shine. Why? So you can get pats on the back and you can get, you know, everybody will think you're awesome, right? It says, let your light shine so it will draw people to Jesus. Let your light shine so others will see past you and see him. Let your light shine so that when what you do and what you say will not draw attention to how smart you are or, or how knowledgeable you are, but that there's God is living in you and there's something much bigger than you and there's someone who, who is in control of you and, and someone who you love and serve. Let your light shine that they will see what you do and give glory to the Father. We've all heard that saying, do as I say, not as I do. Too often we rely on our words alone to get our point across. Remember, first we speak it out. Second, we realize that what we speak, we must live it out. Matthew chapter 7, 21. Here's another, another thing that Jesus has to say to us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So what's that saying, pastor? Well, that's saying to me that not everybody tells you there are Christians going to heaven. Oh, but that can't be. Then Jesus is a liar, huh? I believe that Jesus knew that many people, for whatever reason, would try to claim to be Christians. Many people would try to, to, try to tell you they're, they're Christians. And I've had people tell me time and time again, but their life didn't line up to their words. Their life didn't show any evidence that they were Christians. If they were to go to trial, they wouldn't be convicted of being a Christian because <laughs> there was no evidence. So the, the, the part of the equation there is, I want so much evidence of being a Christian that the jury would not even have to go to the jury room. They could stand up and say, we all agree he's guilty. I don't want one juror to be thinking, well, wait a minute. Let's look at I, I've sat on juries before. And there was that one person who didn't buy the evidence. And the other 11 of us are looking at the evidence. 
And we're looking at that person and thinking, what is he missing, all right? I don't want one person on the jury to have a question in their mind whether or not I'm a Christian. Do I live like that all the time? No, I wish I did. I'm sure there are times when people have said, wait a minute. But I hope that the majority of my life has lived in such a way that people know who I'm living for. That it's not just my words. It's not just, well, yeah, he's, he's going because he stands up there every week and he preaches, so he's going. No, that doesn't make me any closer to heaven than it makes you. I could preach week after week after week, and I could preach seven days a week, and it wouldn't make me any closer to heaven than it makes anybody else. Because my standard is the same as yours. I have to, I have to live it. I have to accept Jesus, and then I have to live for Him. Otherwise, I haven't got it. If you want to give people you care about a better chance of accepting Jesus and meeting them in heaven, live your salvation so that there is no doubt where you stand. You see, our kids, those who we live with, our spouses, those who we're closest to, those who we work with at work that are closest to us, they see us, probably those we work with see us more than our family does most of the time. (laughs) They see the way we live. They see the way we act. They have a pretty good idea of what's going on. And if we want to give them the opportunity, the best opportunity they have to know Jesus, they need to see something authentic in us. They need to see that it's real. They need to say, see that we live what we say. That we believe how we speak. Live your salvation so there's no doubt. Show them what it means to repent when you make a mistake. You know, I think we as humans, we don't like to be seen as weak or vulnerable, but I think our kids and our family, our spouses, even those that we work with, need to see that we can repent when we make a mistake. I, I had to apply this at work, and I had to go to a couple guys I work with, and I had to apologize for something that they perceived that I did against them that I didn't even really do, but I knew that because they perceived that I did, I needed to confront it. It didn't go over well. The one guy just turned and walked away. The other guy just huh, turned and walked away. Big deal. I wasn't expecting any big pat on the back. I, was just, I just needed to be obedient. I needed them to see that I was man enough to, to step in and, and apologize. And I think our kids need to see that. Our kids need to hear from us once in a while when we have made a mistake that I'm sorry. And my kids have heard that, probably not often enough but they have heard that because I have needed to apologize. My wife, heaven knows, she would have a book full of apologies because I... But they need to see that. They need to hear that. They need to know that we, we can be that kind of person that will say, hey, I'm sorry. We need to show them what it means not only to say we're sorry, but to do what it takes to make it right. Sometimes I'm sorry isn't enough, is it? Sometimes we have to show that we mean it by changing from that, by doing it differently. And show what it means to take ownership of your mistakes. Say, listen, that was me. You know, kids, <laughs> kids are, they're funny. Who did that? Wasn't me. 
I mean, she did it. You know, they might have all been doing it, but one person is going to get the finger. Nobody wants to take the blame. But how often is that us? How often do we set that example? I said, well, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. We need to show that we're willing to take ownership to our spouse, to our kids, to the people we work with, to those around us. Hey, that was, I, I did that at work one day. I, we'd done something and some guy come out and said, hey, I got, I got some marks on my car. And I said, this one guy said, oh, well, that wasn't us. We didn't do it. And I said, oh, no, we dropped that wire and it did. That, that Man, you'd have thought that guy got afterwards. He said, why did you say that? You should." I said, well, we did. Well, you didn't have to tell him. Come on now. You know, we did. And so we got to take ownership. We got to prove to people that as Christians, we're willing to step above everything else and just say, hey, that was our mistake. We did that. So one and two, we speak it out, we live it out. This last point may seem redundant, but I just call it make it clear. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 20. This is kind of a long passage, but I wanted to read it. For this commandment that I command you today is not hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you may say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live loving your God, obeying His voice, and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swear to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. You see, I think we need to let our, those that we care about know life is full of choices. Oftentimes growing up, I heard the, the most important choice you will ever make is the person you marry. The next most important choice you will make is where you will work. But I, I firmly believe that the most important choice anyone will ever make is whether or not they will accept Jesus as their Savior. Because from that, everything else will work. The greatest choice we will ever make is to follow Jesus, and it is a choice. You see, many people don't even recognize it as a choice. I, I, I remember one guy at work, we were having a discussion one day about, about heaven, and he said, well, nobody can really know. You just find out when you get to the end of life. 
Oh, how sad. How sad when the Scripture tells us that we can know. The Scripture teaches us that we can be positive and sure if we put our trust in Him. You see this Scripture we just read as they were getting ready to enter into the land of promise. Moses said, listen, you have a choice to make. If you want to receive the blessings of God, if you want to live long in the land, you will obey His commandments. The choice is yours. And as we talked about in Sunday school, that was, yes, Pastor, that was written for them on that day. But the concept for us today is just the same. If we want to live out the plan God has for our lives, if we truly want to spend eternity with Him and in His presence and in His glory, we will do the same thing. We will obey Him. We will listen for His voice. We will follow Him and do what He asks us to do. See, a lot of people today think that going to heaven is just an automatic. Well, every, everybody's going, right? Well, they were a decent person. They're going. They were good. They're going. Well, he was, eh, eh, he'll probably be there. They say, well, God loves everybody, right? So we're all going to heaven. Well, they've got part of that, right? Yes, he does love everybody. We, I don't understand how he loves well, even me sometimes, but he loves everybody. But just because he loves them doesn't mean he's going to allow them into heaven. Because if he does, then his word is null and void. And the scripture also teaches us God is not a man that he can lie. God is not like you and I. His word says that's not the truth. His word says you must be born again. His word says you must accept Jesus as your Savior. There's only one way to heaven. Here's what Jesus had to say. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. He goes on in verse 21, says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, if we tell people they're good enough to go to heaven if we tell people that you know here's how you get there and you know you just gotta you know if you do more good than bad you're gonna make it we've lied to them and God will require that at our hand I thought of this statement you've probably heard it before and this may not be exactly how you heard it but I would rather stand in judgment from men that I was too literal on the Bible and its standard than to stand in judgment from God that I was too loose on the Bible and its standard. You see, one day I'm going to stand before God. I believe this just as sure as I'm standing before you this morning. And He's not going to judge me based on the law of the land. He's not going to judge me based on what my fellowship believed, what my denomination taught, what the people around me thought, he's simply going to judge me based on the standard he set in his book. He is going to judge me based on the words that he had inspired thousands of years ago. And he had written down on the pages of what we call the Bible 
That's what He's going to judge us according to. And the only way we will become righteous is because He sent His Son Jesus as a sacrifice for us. And if we accepted that, then He says, come on in. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. You see, if we're not making the choice to follow Jesus, we are making the choice to turn away from Him. There is no in between. If you're on the fence, the devil's got you because he owns the fence. We heard that in Sunday school. I love that. There's no in between. Mark 8, 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. You heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. For those you care about, you cannot force them to know Jesus. You cannot force them to accept him. Because if you could, my grandma and grandpa and my mom, she would have, and every one of your people you know that were saved, they would have, they would have had us there. But unfortunately, I know too many who haven't accepted. But if we want to give them the best opportunities to know Jesus, if you want to take those memory makers to heaven with you or to meet you there, speak it out. Live it out. Make it clear. This morning, let the Holy Spirit have His way in you. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Lord, this morning I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Lord, both for the promises and the challenges that Your Word brings this morning. Lord, I thank You that as we sit in this place today, Your Holy Spirit has spoken to us about our responsibilities with the gospel, about our responsibilities in how we live and how we speak. And Lord, we cannot, we cannot save anyone. But Lord, you are asking us to do our very best so that others will have the opportunity to know you. And so Lord, here in this place, as your Holy Spirit is leading, as your Holy Spirit is speaking, help us, Lord, to determine today that I will speak it out and I will live it out so the choice is very clear to all those around me, to those I share a home with, my family, my wife, my spouse, my children, my neighborhood, my workplace, my church, Everywhere I go, may I, may I just show forth you in such a way that others at least have the opportunity to know you. And Lord, this morning, if there would be one in here that doesn't know you themselves, Lord, if they haven't accepted you, I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will show them your great love. And that you have a plan and a purpose for them that lasts way beyond their years here on this earth. But that will take them to eternity with you.
your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. If you're here and you would say, Pastor, I, I want to make some things right with the Lord today. I haven't been living for Him. My life isn't where it should be. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not living the way I should. And today I want to confess my sin before Him and I want to ask Him to forgive me and ask Him to make me one of His. If that's you this morning, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to help you to invite Jesus into your life as your Savior. There'll be one this morning that'll say, Pastor, that's me. Also ask you this morning, and this is just a gut check for me, and it's a gut check for you. Ask yourself, am I doing absolutely everything I can to allow those around me to know Jesus? Because we're getting ready to leave. And the only thing you can take with you is the things that you have done for Him. The lives that you have touched for Him. The love that you have shown for Him. And say, Lord, I want to be do my very best to present the gospel to those around me. Lord, this morning as we close this time, I thank You that Your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us towards You. And I thank You for Your love and Your forgiveness that helps us to realize that even though, even when we make a mistake, You are there to pick us up. And Lord, in, in these moments of life that we live today, I know there are so many that need to hear the Gospel. And Lord, I pray this morning that You have renewed our passion to help those around us know You. Lord, whether or not they accept You, we can't control. But Lord, we can do our very best to present You. And I pray, Lord, that this week would be a week when You speak to us over and over and over again about what we can do to impact others' lives for You. And so, Lord, as we go this morning, may we go in the power of Your Holy Spirit, the power to change us into the people of God that You want us to be. And I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.